We're going to look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. I hope it's going to come up on the screen for you. Uh, and the, the title of the talk is Use Money Well. That's right. We're going to talk about money. Use money well. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it for their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we'd hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious gift of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it, by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And here's my judgment about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. So the, the gospel in Corinth, from Paul to the people in Corinth, and the gospel from me to you, introduces you to an abundantly generous God. I want you to know that. God is so abundantly generous. And, and I think there's, there's the reality of life is that we can lose sight of quite how kind and how good God really is. In the verses in verse 1, Paul says this, he uses a very interesting phrase, this is God in his kindness. God owns kindness. If you want to ever think about anything kind, God created that. He owns that idea. God is the kindest being you could ever come across. He's unbelievably kind and generous towards us and towards all of creation over and over again through the Psalms, through the Old Testament. The story is a God who loves to give. He's kind. Not only is God kind in the creation and what he puts out there and his attitude and his behavior, but he's also generous. Verse 9 says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, what it talks about here is that Jesus owns the characteristic of generosity. It's like that if you talked about Jesus, what's Jesus like? It's like one of the first things you'd have to say about Jesus is he's so generous towards people, towards us. And the cross of Jesus, we've sung about it today, and it's staggering in so many ways. But one of the most remarkable things, I just really want I just so much want you to know is that the cross was a generous act by Jesus for you. Like he, if you think about when, who's been the most generous person to you ever, you ever think about that? Somebody's like, oh, they, they were so kind to me. They gave me something. 
Maybe they gave you a present that was like more expensive than you ever imagined. And you think, wow, that person was so kind. But in the cross, Jesus gives everything of himself, like every single thing at his disposal. He's like, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this really for you. It's an act of generosity towards you. And so I just want to flag up to you again, and I don't know, sometimes we come to church in a whole host of places. But the, the, the gospel tells you God is just so kind. He's just so generous towards you. His heart towards you is so full of love. But it just the, the gospel doesn't just tell you about there's a God out there who is this kind of character. It, the gospel says you can have an encounter with this God. Like this God who's so generous and kind is accessible to you. Actually, and Jesus says the kingdom of God is at Hand, by which he means that if you just reach out and touch, you can experience this generosity of God. And one of the, one of the saddest things I look back on my life, I think I've sometimes, I don't know why, but I've gone through phases where I've just, for whatever reason, I haven't reached out to, to take some of the generosity that God has. For some reason I haven't done that. Have you done that? You kind of go through phases and you just kind of get stuck somewhere. And, and, and what... What this says in verse 2 is that God filled the Macedonians with abundant joy. We're like utterly abundant joy. God paid a great price, verse 9, to make you rich. God doesn't just want you to have an idea of him as being kind. He wants you to actually know him, to experience him, to be changed by his generosity and his kindness. And something that we want to do when we move to a longer service, and we do every week anyways, we say, look, why didn't you come and be filled with the Holy Spirit? And something that we as Vineyard Churches so much care about in the worship, as I'm speaking, and in ministry, that you're actually having an experience of God. That's, that's what we believe. That's what we want you to have. And the reality is that what God wants for you is that you would receive his generosity and experience his kindness, not just think about it and talk about it. I remember, I don't know, I've been prayed for so many times in my life, and, and I've prayed for so many people in my life. And I think generally you can find that there's kind of one or two things that happen when you pray for people or when you're prayed for. And sometimes you're just like, yeah. You can kind of almost like there's a stony, there's almost like you're just like, yeah, go on then. I don't really like the look of you praying for me. Go on, go on then. But, but really you're not open to the fact that the kingdom of God, this generous and kind God is at hand. He might actually do something in that moment to totally change your life. Like that gift that you've just been needing and wanting could be available to you in that moment. And at other times you wake up to that and you say, actually, yeah, I think God does want to give me something now. And just some of the most wonderful, remarkable experiences come. And have you done that when you're praying for somebody and you think, yeah, to be honest, you know, I've offered, would you, can I pray for you? They've said yes, but really what they meant was no. But they're just being polite. They're not expecting a single thing to happen in this moment. You can feel it, can't you? You, you? you know what I'm talking about? You can feel it. They're just like, maybe God's up there. In theory, he's kind, but I don't expect to experience anything of that. And the gospel tells you, you can experience it right now. Any of you could. Right now, you can experience the generosity and kindness of God. Because not only is that who he is, but he's made himself available to you. And so what happened in, in Paul's doing to the Corinthians, he's actually saying to them, look, the Macedonians, those guys down the road, they actually have experienced so much of how kind and generous God is, they just desperately want to be like him. 
because they've realized how kind God is and how generous he is, they just want to be kind and generous as well. And so what he points to the Corinthians who thought they had all the spirit and they thought they had everything is, maybe you guys haven't experienced as much of the gospel as you think you have because those guys down the road who you look down on and you think they don't really have the spirit, they've had this experience which has totally transformed how they want to be. And you guys don't seem to have had that. Do you see what he's doing? He kind of puts them off against each other. And so the Macedonians, verse 4, begged, they begged again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Have you ever begged for a chance to give somebody money? I beg, oh, please, please, let me, I don't know, you go out for food and you're like, let me get it. Let me, I have some friends and we fight over who's going to pay for the bill every time. Let me get it. No, I'm getting it. And then just, what's that? And you quickly get, now it's contactless. You can do it quite quickly, can't you? They're begging to give. And what's happened, I think, is that we've, we, we live in a society which is, uh, which is really materialistic. Now, what I used to hear people use that phrase, and I used to think that means that people just wanted stuff all the time. But materialism, what it really means is that um, it, you, you think the things of greatest value are the things that are material, the things that you can touch, the things that you can see. So materialism actually is as present in communism as it is in capitalism. Because communism says the things that people need who are poor is stuff. We need to give them material things like uh, food and clothes and produce. And capitalism says we're going to give people freedom to get food and clothes and produce. And, and it's both of them materialistic as each other. Because they say the things that really have value are the things that are material. And we might look at that and say, of course, no, that we wouldn't do that in church. We know God's real. But just for, just for a second, I just want you to imagine yourself. Tomorrow you wake up and you're really rich. Just imagine. Tomorrow you wake up and you're really rich. Just like, you're so rich. What does that mean? What are you imagining in yourself? Now, you might be very different from me, but when I wake up and I think I'm really rich, I think, oh, I'm going to get a Tesla. Oh, and I'd have, like, nice clothes and, you know, like, I'd, I'd have stuff. That's what I think of as being rich because in my head... My, my vision of what it is rich is formed by materialism. My understanding of what it is to be rich is purely material things are now in abundance in, in, in my life. You get the same thing? Who are the people who we most pity? Who are the people who we most pity? I don't know about you, but I find that even in churches, the people we pity the most are the homeless. Why the homeless? Because they haven't got the material thing of a home. They haven't got stuff, and so we pity the homeless the most. Again, that's a view of poverty purely formed by materialism. That when somebody hasn't got stuff, they're the poorest. But what about the lonely? What about the people who have no relational things going on in their life? What about those who have got spiritual poor? You see, the, the vision of the Bible is that richness, your richness includes material stuff. Of course it does. He's talking about that. But it also includes spiritual reality. It includes your relational reality. It includes your character, your health of your character and your heart. And so what Jesus wants to do for us is to shift our way of thinking about riches. When it says Jesus died to make you rich, he wasn't like, hey, Peter, you know, 
follow me and I'll give you a bi bigger fishing boat, the best fishing boat you can possibly imagine and you'll become the, like, the most successful businessman ever. He says, follow me and I'm going to make you rich. I'm making you rich and relationally rich, spiritually rich. All the treasures of heaven will be available to you. You'll also materially not want for anything. Don't worry about that. You'll also materially be present. But your heart, you'll be changed. So there's a richness that's across more areas of life than just purely the material. Does that make sense? And what materialism does is it just looks at one single thing and says, this is what richness is all about. And even like this week, we've got the COP, whatever it is, the climate change stuff, and we look at life increasingly. We realize materialism, where you, all you care about is getting stuff, it, something, it just doesn't feel like it's quite got everything. And the kingdom says, of course it hasn't. Because riches is about not only what's material, but what's spiritual, what's relational, what's in your heart. And so when, when you see God, when you see Jesus, who was, so, I mean, isn't it interesting that the, so often in churches the people we pity the most are the homeless, and yet the one we worship the most was homeless. Like Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. And actually, doesn't it just kind of flip something slightly? Of course we want people to have stuff. I'm not saying, you understand what I'm saying? We don't want people to be living in poverty, material poverty, but there's a richness. We, we want an understanding of richness, which is about, wow, but they're spiritually poor. They're relationally poor. Their heart, look at them, their heart's so poor. They're psychologically poor, and they're materially poor. And when you, when you meet God and you see Jesus, you think, wow, I understand what real riches are now. I really understand what it is to be rich. And of all these different things, what you see through the New Testament over and over again is these guys would trade material riches for any of these other types of riches. Like this, yeah, over and over again, they just give it all. It, just, it means so little. The riches you get from having a nice car or lots of money or whatever, it's, not, it's so small compared to the riches of having an open and loving and present relationship with God. It's so small compared to having great relationships with others around you. And so you want to be like Jesus. You want to use your money well. And this is what Paul says. Here's my judgment. What's best for you? He's not telling what they have to do. He's not saying, hey, guys, you have to. Giving is ne like, using your money, material riches to sow riches into other people. It's never about what you have to do. It's just what's best for you. If, when you understand what real riches are. Because you use these things to grow riches in your relationships. You use these things to grow riches in your encounters and your openness and your understanding with God. You use riches to grow riches, you, the, the money to grow riches in your heart and your character. Does that make sense? You understand that? So it's what's best for you. Finish the work so your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. So what Paul says is, look, what you do with the money and stuff you have available to you is, number one, invest in relationships. Invest in relationships. We see the flip side of that. Materialism, so often people feel like they have to work all hours. They lose connection with the people they care about. Materialism dehumanizes some workers and say, look, you need to do it. And what, and what Paul says, like, the kingdom understanding is you use riches, money, to invest in relationships. That's what you do with it. Use money to invest in relationships. And we want to encourage you to use whatever money you have available to you 
to invest in relationships. Invest, use it. Now, one relationship that over and over again through all of church history and through the calling of Jesus, through the whole word of God to his people, is you invest in the relationships in the church. You, you can use money to invest in tithing, which enables light parties, enables youth, enables worship, enables English school, enables all, so many things. And you're, it's you using your money to invest in relationships. It's an incredible thing to do. What an incredible privilege. It's best for us to get to use it for that. Also, like Jesus says, you know, love your neighbors. You use your money or whatever material stuff you have available to you to invest in your neighbors, to love your neighbors. And this is something we really want to encourage you to do. So often the church, we as church, we've been, we can be sometimes a bit hit and run. Do you know what I mean by that? We don't really use the money and the resources that are available to us to invest in our neighbors. Jesus says, love our neighbors, and some of our small groups have been doing the art of neighboring, which is really just about, here's some simple things you can do to invest in your neighbors. And so what we want to do today is just, we've used some of the money from the church to buy little gifts that you can give to your neighbors, to help you and equip you with a way to say, here, look, I'm going to use some of the money that's in God's got deep pockets, some of the money in the kingdom. Here's a bag, and I'm going to give you a gift as a way of investing in relationship, not as a hit and run, like, you know, there you go. Maybe I'll see you next time my church has got an event to invite you to. No, 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 no. It's not about inviting them to anything. It's about a gift to invest in relationship. It's just say, look, here's, uh, you know, I just wonder, can I just knock, here you are, look, I want to give you a gift. So Leslie's just going to come and explain what these are. And give a couple of examples of how we've used these in the past and what that could be. Can you be my assistant? So we've made um, about 30 bags over there on the table. Uh, they're the brown bags. And in them, there will either be a box of biscuits, nice biscuits. Do you want to bring it out and show them, Tom? Thank you. Some biscuits, um, or there'll be some, a chocolate bar, or there are some vegan fruit pastels. So we've covered every base. And there is also in there a nice little candle. So that is just a starter. So you're welcome to take a bag and uh, fill it with other things that are nice and use it as a gift for someone to build relationship. So here's a couple of stories of how I've done this in the past. Um, when we lived in Worcester Park before we moved here, um, my church used to do something called storehouse bags. A bit similar to this, there would be um, groceries in, in bags and you could take it and give it to someone. And I had tr I'd been reading the J. Pathak material, The Art of Neighbouring, which tells you to get to know your literal physical neighbours. And so I'd got to know a girl who lived a few doors down from me um, in the street. I just kind of was a bit worried, but then I said hi to her in the street, got to know her. She was young. She was actually living in a house. She was a refugee living in a house with other girls who'd been housed as refugees, no family or anything around. So I picked up a bag from church. I put some extra stuff in it, um, and I went round and I gave her the bag. Um, uh, and as part of relationship, continued to get to know her. She later told me in the bag, um, she, had, she had a medical condition, and the doctor had told her that she needed to buy some Manuka honey. Manuka honey is a special type of honey uh, that has medi medicinal pro properties, but it's also quite expensive. Um, but she didn't have enough money to buy it. Now, what had happened is um, the church had filled the bag with things, and in the bag 
was a uh, pot of manuka honey. And so she said, I feel like God has given, God has provided through that bag something for me to, for my health, which was amazing, really. We give glory to God. Um, she actually connected with another Christian neighbor and started going to her church with her. Um, but it was, it was really amazing demonstration of God's love and compassion for her just through a bag, just through a gift bag. Um, the other one is uh, I used to go to um, a toddler group uh, when we'd moved to Croydon. I was desperate for friends, so I used to try and talk to anybody I could at the toddler group. I started talking to a lady, um, and we started sharing our lives with each other as relation- relationally. Um, I, she started going through a hard time with her family, and so I picked up a bag from church. She had a few things in it, put some extra stuff in, um, and gave it to her just saying, like, look, you're going through a hard time. This could just help a little bit. It's just an act of love. Um, and then we became great friends, uh, and our kids, we did toddler groups together. Our kids are now at school, and we still meet every week on a Thursday morning for a coffee together um, and have a great friendship. She cares for me, and I care for her when we're having hard times and we have a laugh together. So um, that's just two ways that we've used bags in the past. So you're welcome to take one at the end of the service. Amazing. So it's just simple things. You just use a little bit material riches to actually invest in other riches in other people's lives. Do you see, do you see what that is? Not, you not only give them material stuff, but also relational. You equip them for relationship. You equip them for actually encountering God and knowing God. And this is what I think it is to be the church. This is how we use money well when we do this kind of stuff. And uh, we'd love all these bags to go. There's a whole load of other bags for the second service. So we'd love you to take a bag and just find somebody to give it to. Uh, of course, it's not just about that. So we give surprisingly abundantly and according to what we have. There's two things at the same time. You know, they filled with abundant joy, overflowing rich generosity. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you just meet people and they're just so generous? You're like, that's shocking. This is just one of those people you think, wow, they're just so, like, it's a bu- that's ridiculous how much they seem to give to other people around them. Love those people. We love them because they're like Jesus. And actually, financially, in COVID, people talk about, economists will say a K has happened, a K-shaped thing. So some people have gone, they've seen that their costs have gone down, and they've got, gradually, their savings have increased. And you know, I'm talking to somebody who works for the Bank of England, but generally speaking, I think the amount of savings that people hold in their bank account is so much higher now than it was before COVID. Because some people have got so much more money at their disposal. But other people on the bottom part of the K have found that they've got poorer. You know, they've got poorer really so badly off. And there's this strange sort of split going on in our nation. And what Jesus doesn't say is you all do the same. He says, according to what you have. Give to according to what you have. And a final thing on this is I was just talking to a friend of ours called Dana Masters. She's a black lady, lives in Northern Ireland. She married a white guy. She... she uh, They're involved with leading a vineyard church in Northern Ireland. I was talking to her about race generally, just about what do we do about this kind of stuff. And um, She is one of the only few black people in her whole area in Northern Ireland. It's it's far, far less diverse in the area where she is. And she was saying that her grandmother had been one of the key people in the... um, in the uh, Martin Luther King era and the sort of fighting for rights uh, for and sort of against racism. And uh, she was talking to her grandmother one day and, and sort of talking about what is it that, we, what is it that she could do? What, what is it that she could do? And um, the thing that she said to me, which really surprised me, is she said I re- she realized she was spending so much time investing emotional energy online. 
Like whatever the latest thing was that was trending, she, she would be stirred by and moved by and she'd feel like she needed to post this, hashtag that, respond to these comments, address all this stuff online. And what her grandmother just said to her, like this sort of, you know, amazing warrior for social injustice, she said, just, just stop that. You're using all your emotional energy on stuff that really makes almost no difference. Invest in the people around you. Love them. Give what you have. Out of what you have, use it wisely. Now, that's true of money, but it's also true of your emotional energy. Like, we, you could be really worn out. Don't waste it on stuff. Invest in people. And, that's, and she said, I just now love my neighbors. I do everything I can. I, I, I do all I can. And she's, the, the beauty of what God's doing with them in their community and so many issues, issues of racism included, is, is all through, like, that she said, just get people to invest in relationships. That's how this stuff happens. And if you think about what happened in Corinth, there was a couple called Aquila and Priscilla. They're living in Corinth. Relatively normal couple. This whirlwind rolls in. Paul the apostle. Ah, ah, and suddenly everything's up in the air and he's caused riots in all these cities. And everyone's like, what on earth is going on here? And do you know what they did? They put their arm around him. Hello, neighbor. Let's get to know each other. And if you look at what happens with the church in Corinth, it, it meets initially in their house. And they just become these people who just invest and make a difference. They're just a normal couple. We don't even know anything really about them. And after they've done it in Corinth, they go to Rome and they do the same thing there. It's just... It, it, the beauty of just what you have at your disposal. You just use it to invest, put an arm around, to love, to be generous. God does wonderful things. Jesus, he said he had nowhere to lay his head. He lived on the handouts of people around him. And yet the richest man who ever lived. Whoever you are, whatever your situation is right now, Jesus shows you you can be unbelievably generous you can be somebody who God uses to bring incredible riches into other people's lives maybe you can't be a secret millionaire you could be a secret millionaire with relationship with encounter with God with helping them build character maybe give them a little bag as well should we pray